I heard some chuckling uh, as I was reading that gospel when it got to Jesus talking about division, him causing division within a household, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, as if that would be surprising. (laughs) But he's talking about bringing division rather than peace, and yet, haven't you heard of Jesus referred to as the Prince of Peace? Don't we say that, especially around Christmas time, and there are big signs that Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I'm often surprised, though, when I search for that title, that nowhere in the Gospels is Jesus called Prince of Peace. We get that term from the passage of Isaiah 9-6, which says, For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Passages both in Matthew and Luke allude to this verse from Isaiah, and we believe Jesus was the one referenced in Isaiah 9-6. So we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. He told his disciples to let their peace be upon any house in which they stayed. He told people to be at peace with one another, and he constantly told people to go in peace. Even at his crucifixion, he asked for forgiveness for those who had beaten, mocked, and killed him. If that's not peace. And yet Jesus said in Luke 12:51, "Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth?" No, I tell you, but rather division. This seems rather contradictory to what Jesus taught and lived at other times, but I don't think it actually was contradictory. Peace is what it seems Jesus wanted people to have and to live, to be at peace within themselves, to be at peace with one another. I just don't think Jesus was naive enough to think that everyone actually would live in peace. He had a fire to kindle. A way of believing and living that got in the way of the status quo, that got in the way of people's lives. And any time you go from preaching to meddling, you're going to cause or expose division. I know, don't know that Jesus wanted division as a goal, but Jesus wasn't going to stop preaching simply because he knew that some or even many weren't going to like what they heard. He knew that those who believed in what he said would be rejected by those who did not. And he knew his followers would reject practices and beliefs that ran counter to what he taught. Division was inevitable. Following Jesus meant being all in. Still does, actually. And being all in means changing the practices and habits of one's life. Look at addicts in recovery. Being in recovery means being all in. And that usually means changing social circles. If some of those old social circles are full of whatever the addiction is. Being in recovery means we would call repentance. Turning around. Changing daily habits. Lots of self-examination. Having a mentor. Someone to give guidance and support. Being in recovery is practicing a new way of life every day. And those changes can cause division. Like being in recovery, being part of the Jesus movement means being all in. It means repentance of ways of life which cause harm. Being part of the Jesus movement may mean changing social circles. 
Or it may mean giving up some of the behaviors a person used to have, giving up things that are harmful. Being all in means practicing the way of life in Jesus, keeping the fire burning. Being all in means following Jesus with one's whole heart, repenting authentically and completely, even while realizing that we're going to fall short. Such all-in following of Jesus is going to cause some division. The Jesus movement doesn't have time or room for half-hearted love or entitled repentance, thinking that because I believe in Jesus, I don't have to take his teachings or way of life seriously. The Jesus movement requires total commitment. Even knowing that we're not going to get it right all of the time, fully expecting that we will continue to need to repent, the Jesus movement means being all in, not half-hearted. Now, I generally don't use sports analogies when I talk about the gospel. I think mainly because I'm not a particularly athletic person. But we're talking about practicing new ways of life. And sports kind of works. Plus, it's the Olympics, and I think a sermon about some Olympic-y kind of theme is required right now. So for me, not an Olympian, playing various sports as a kid, I would go to a weekly practice, play whatever game it was in the front yard for maybe about 10 minutes a week, and then I'd go to the game and hope or even think that I might do okay or at least a little bit better than last time. I didn't really like practicing. So oddly enough, I really didn't improve all that much the next time at any of the sports I played. In stark contrast, couldn't it be more stark contrast to that? I was blown away by seeing Katie Ledecky swim the 800-meter freestyle a couple of days ago in the Olympics. Before the race even started, I was blown away by the fact that someone was swimming 800 meters. Um, It was eight minutes straight of swimming the freestyle. I knew in some parts of my mind that this was possible and done by humans. Um, We've got an Ironman who is in this church who swims like a mile and a half and then bikes several miles and then runs a marathon. So I understood somewhere in the back of my mind that this was possible. But somehow I still just couldn't wrap my mind around swimming for eight minutes like they do in the Olympics, which says probably a lot about my lack of athleticism. So they swam this race. And Katie not only broke her own world record, she finished 11 seconds faster than the silver medalist. She was halfway across the pool on her last lap before anyone else had even made the turn. It was incredible to watch. And that, my brothers and sisters, requires commitment. I'm sure she had to repent at some point, too, within her training, had a little Debbie snack cake at some point or another, But to swim on her level, she was all in. Practicing on the level of Olympic athletes requires a whole life commitment. Sometimes they'll even move to another place or live with other athletes for a while. They aren't athletes for an hour or two a week and not for a practice and then a tournament and a few minutes in the front yard. It's a whole lifestyle. It's being all in. The Jesus movement requires Practice. We can't approach Jesus like I did as a kid, kick a ball around for a few minutes once a week and think, well, we'll do well in the game. 
The fire of the Jesus movement requires Katie Ledecky kind of practice and commitment. And a word about that, though. If you're like me, seeing the Olympics often inspires me to want to go out and get in better shape to be like the Olympians. And generally, I'll go out and I'll walk the dog for a little bit more often. And if I'm feeling particularly adventurous, I may even jog for a little bit. My challenge has always been going out and doing too much too fast. So I'll go out and jog a mile, having not jogged in months at least. And as you'd guess, that's about the last time I would jog for a long while. The fire is quickly burnt out because I threw all of the fuel into the flames right away rather than slowly building and tending the fire. A short jog every other day, gradually increasing in length and frequency, would be much better. Swimming for maybe 15 meters and then slowing down and dog paddling, you know, and gradually building up. So too with being all in with Jesus with being having Katie Ledecky kind of practice in our lives with Jesus, we generally can't change everything in our lives all at once and expect anything to stick. The fire will burn out and we'll end up tired and disillusioned. The fire of the Jesus movement requires slow and steady practice, continually increasing in duration and frequency. The flames slowly burn brighter and slowly grow as with the Holy Spirit we continually collect and add fuel to the fire. We aren't doing this alone. We partner with God every step of the way. The fire of the Jesus movement requires prayer and self-examination. As we go along, we keep making changes to our lives as we continually examine our lives in the light of Jesus' gospel. We never say, I'm, I'm pretty good. I got that. I, I got those commandments thing down. We gradually let go of things. And then we examine our lives and say, how am I not loving? How am I not living with my whole heart? Or we take on things to allow us to. We let go of some things that keep our hearts and minds from God and others. And we take on other new practices to keep our hearts and minds on God and others. The fire of the Jesus movement requires us to serve as guides for others. And for others to serve as guides and mentors for us. We don't go it alone. Being all in means being all in with others. We have the whole church. And we also have those few people who truly understand us. Those few people who help us in our practice of walking and living the Jesus movement. We have those few people with whom we can be totally honest when we know we need to repent. Those few people who will hold us accountable for our actions. Who can admit with us that we've done wrong without judging us as being bad. These are our coaches, our friends, those who help us to tend and grow the flames. And being all in with Jesus may even cause division. Some may not like the fact that we love Jesus. Okay. 
Just make sure that it is others who are rejecting you, not the other way around. Never forget a friend who had been rejected by her church growing up because she just couldn't quite believe everything. And she questioned and wondered. And so they rejected her. She didn't reject them for believing in Jesus. They rejected her for struggling with her faith. We may reject some practices, some ways of life, but not people. We may choose to live in certain ways and not to live in other ways. In the Jesus movement, we choose to live in ways that bring about greater faith, hope, and love. And we reject in our own lives those things which get in the way of faith, hope, and love. And what gets in the way of faith, hope, and love may be different for each of us. What gets in the way for me may not get in the way for you. The fact that we believe in Jesus doesn't mean that we have to require others to live exactly like we live or we have to require others to believe exactly what we believe. We don't reject those who don't believe in Jesus. We do, however, accept that we may be rejected because of our beliefs and way of life. That's being all in. Believing in Jesus, following in his ways, tending the flames, and practicing our faith and way of life. Praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to partner with us. And being with others for mutual support and coaching. That is how the fire of Jesus is kindled within us and burns within us and spreads to others. Even if some may reject us because of our faith and hope and love in Jesus, we choose to be all in. Amen.